Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want a bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Welcome to another edition of the Action Network Podcast Week 17 NFL Betting Preview. I am your host, Chris Raybon. And on today's show, we'll be breaking down our top six spread bets of Week 17 in the Sunday six-pack and also giving you our favorite total bet, teaser bet, money line parlay pick, and survivor pool pick if you happen to still be alive. Uh, in those formats, no Thursday night football this week, so we'll jump right in to the six-pack. But before we get into that, just a reminder to download the free Action Network app for real-time odds, box scores, and the capability to track every bet that you make. All right, let's get right into it, our Sunday six-pack. Thirsty for action? Let's crack open the Sunday six-pack. All right. I am joined, as always, by the Prime Minister of Degenerate Nation, my guy Stucky. Stuck, happy holidays. How is your week 16 and what you got going on for the holidays? Yeah, happy holidays, everyone. I just got back from Cleveland. So I actually had a second, I had a second losing weekend in the NFL. I think I had one in the first 14 weeks and two in the last two. So it's time to pick it up here. Uh, <laughs> Humble brag. And, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I just got back from Cleveland, and I went there to see my Ravens clinch the one seed. I had money on the Browns. I would bet them again. I mean, incompetence and the difference in how well those teams are coached is crazy. But, look, it's, it's only the third time all year the Ravens have been held scoreless in the first quarter, and that's what you have to do. And then you just can't be dumb like the Browns, but they were, they were in that game. It's going to help some of these teams that have seen the Ravens twice. We'll get into that later. There's going to be some games on the board that you're like, ugh. But there's also a lot of other games that bring in some new fascinating angles for Week 17, which we'll get into here shortly. As far as the spreads, I got to say, I know you didn't like, I think it was what, last week or the week before the card. Like, I don't love this one. I like the totals a lot more. Uh, we are tied up, by the way, in our uh, little contest, 48 all. Uh, that means what, we're 48 out of 80 through 16 weeks. So that's a pretty good hit rate. Uh, for both of us. So, uh, yeah, you got first pick. Let's get into it. What did I say at the beginning of the year and throughout the year? I want three points a week. So my goal 
was 48. Here we are, but we're tied. So this will we're going to come up with our format for the playoffs. This isn't yeah. the final week, but it's going to be going into the playoffs. It's going to be a close race no matter what. It's been awesome so far. Let's keep up this rate. Uh, for my first pick, I'm going to have a piece out on this on the ActionNetwork.com Action App. I'm going to have examples of this going back 20 years. Uh, it's something that I've tracked manually for 20 years, and then I had to go back manually and track it further back 10 more years. Uh, because what I'm talking about here is teams that have nothing to play for in week 17 playing against teams that have to win to get in. And if you go back week 16 and 17, the past 30 years, and there's no way to do this in a database. You can't say, all right, does this team, is it, what is it, a must win? You have to go back and then look at the playoff standings of that year. Now, once you get into the actual process of doing it each year, you can just update a database, which I do. But I had to go back in like the 90s and like was reading newspaper snippets and seeing tiebreaker scenarios. And it's a lot harder to do that. Now you have articles like on actionnetwork.com and ESPN you can find from like 2005 on that'll just say week 17 playoff scenarios. But like 1998, it was, it's not that easy to find. Anyway, um, if you go back just to 2003, teams that are playing for nothing in week 17 are 21 and 13 against the spread against teams that are playing a must-win scenario to get in the playoffs. Not, not must-win to improve their seeding, not win to you know, improve their division. They either could or will drop out of the playoffs. You know, so some of the games that qualify this weekend, the Cowboys, they lose, they're out. The Eagles, if they lose, they potentially could be out. You know, you have the, the Steelers and the Titans. Those are your four. And the Raiders also qualify as well. Those are the five teams that need to win. And if they don't win, they need help, right? So they're in must-win playoff to get into the playoff scenarios. Focus just on favorites of more than a field goal. The teams that must win against teams playing for nothing. Over that same time frame, 7-19 and 19 against the spread. That's 27%. Now, if you're not into that big sample size, you can go back. With that, and these are just week 17. You can go back week 16 and week 17 in this scenario back to 1990. And the teams that are playing for nothing are right around 60, 61% against the spread. Why is that? Well, number one, your li the line is, and it's not always, but it's generally going to be inflated in the market because every single person says this team has to win and they're playing this shitty team that's playing for nothing. So you have a lot more money coming in on this team. Also, a team that is playing for nothing is not a playoff team, probably a bad team, probably started trending in the, bad, in the wrong direction towards the end of the season. Well, now, you know, and that money, that, some of that could be motivational. And, but weeks, now you get a week 17 game against a team that you can keep out of the playoffs, and all of a sudden you're, okay, let's, we care again. This is basically your Super Bowl. You can also play a lot looser, whereas these teams that are playing to get in tend to play tight, not to lose. They're like, hey, we're the better team. And you see them come out and they get ultra conservative and tight. Whereas you see these other teams, they'll take more shots and they'll just play a looser brand of football. Throw out new looks, new, new wrinkles that the team hasn't seen. They just say, look, this is our Super Bowl this season. There's no other tape. It doesn't matter what else happens this year. So there's many reasons why it happens. Most importantly, it's because the line's inflated because everyone in the NFL market says, why am I going to bet the Texans playing for nothing against the Titans who need to play to get in? Last year, week 17, Ravens playing the Browns. They need to win to get in at home, laying six. They win by two, three, two or three. Steelers playing the Bengals, laying 14 and a half at home. Need to win to get in, one by two. You know, so there's countless examples of third-string quarterbacks beating on teams that are dead, ruining seasons. You see it every single year. It's one of my favorite parts about betting Week 17. With that in mind, that's going to be one of my main trend for this podcast on my part. So with that in mind, my first pick is the Giants. Uh, plus four and a half at home. I make this around three. So I think you're getting an extra point and a half or so. I'm waiting to see if I can get a five, seeing where this market goes. 
I mean, this line was, what, nine a couple weeks ago in Philly when Eli Manning's first start and, you know, take some home field and other situational factors. This line should be right around three. Now, what you have to keep in mind is in that game, Zach Ertz dominated. Dominated. Two touchdowns was dominant. They are probably going to be without him. They signed Richard Rodgers off, the, you know, which means that they're worried about him playing. They still, this Eagles team, I didn't learn much about they still can't cover downfield, and apparently Dak's shoulder was hurt because Dallas didn't try to throw downfield for some reason. I, I don't know why. I mean, I, I'm assuming that's the reason why. But their corners are still vulnerable. They still have no weapons on the outside. Uh, this is the Giants' Super Bowl division rival up in New York. Knock Philly out. I mean, you're, they, they, this is a team that just – look, the Eagles beat the Cowboys. No one wanted a part of the Eagles last week. Now everyone wants a part of the Eagles this week. This is the, still the same Eagles team that lost to the Dolphins that needed to come back and win in overtime at home against the Giants. This team is not that good people. They don't have weapons on the outside. It's mainly their defense. It's like their trenches and, you know, they don't even have Ertz, their best player on offense. So the four and a half is too many here. Uh, I think the Giants win this game, to be honest. And, and it'll come down to – the Cowboys are going to sneak into the playoffs. That's the you know, fitting end of the NFC East, by the way. I mean, you just made me want to change one of my picks because that's a really good point. Uh, <laughs> And, I, yeah, I think the Giants have receivers to actually exploit, you know, down the field. I mean, they have Shepard, Tate, uh, and, and Slayton. I know he, he was kind of in and out of that game last week, but I think he's, he should be fine. Uh, Latimer obviously stepped up. But uh, the Giants have some guys, you know, when they're healthy at receiver, even without Evan Ingram, uh, that's a pretty good trio of receivers and a pretty uh, productive fourth receiver uh, in Latimer. So he yeah, saw Slate, what he had two two bomb touchdowns the first time they played in Philly. Right, yeah, and then he had he he had like two targets and no catches last game. But he I think he spent a, a portion of that game on the sideline. Yeah, uh, and he was back in late, and they targeted him. I think on the play or two before they won the game to uh, to Caden Smith with the touchdown. So uh, he should be fine, uh, and he's yeah he's going to be the key for them. But uh, I think people underestimate you know a guy like Sterling Shepard who everyone's kind of you know joking on the Giants. Oh, you got like three slot receivers. Well. You know, Shepard's been playing on the outside a lot more and, and playing well. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think uh, it's going to be a tough game for the Eagles, and they keep losing key guys on offense. And at some point, you just have to wonder, you know, and it's already pretty much caught up for them. I mean, they have no explosiveness. They're lucky that a guy like Greg Ward, uh, you know, has been able to step up and give them four or five catches and, and take, you know, seven, eight targets a game and, and make them, you know, league average productiveness uh, or, or they would kind of be sunk. They're lucky they have a number two tight end that's as good as most teams' number one in Dallas Goddard, or, or they'd really be sunk. So, yeah. yeah if you're, they, by the way, if you're looking into NFL futures and we talk about them, I don't believe in the Eagles' secondary, which is ultimately what I think will be their downfall. But they have the offensive line. They have the defensive line. They have the quarterback, the tight end. Sanders is coming along. And if you believe in them based on matchups to get to the second round, and then you get the Sean Jackson potentially back, Watt is one of those guys on the defensive end in the AFC. But getting a player back of Deshaun Jackson's caliber, and it's not that he's the best receiver in the NFL, it's how important he would be to opening up everything else in that offense and giving them a deep threat. So, But they don't have that right now. It's vertically challenged. But it's something to think about. I mean, it's going to be their second playoff game. They'd have to get there. They'd have to win this weekend, too, to get in. But if they get in and they win a game and then get him back and he comes in and he's able to open up, their passing game vertically, which will open it up underneath and to those tight ends. It's an interesting addition. Uh, but right now, that offense is just – it is – it's hard to watch. And that didn't – nothing about last week changed my mind in that sense. 
Yeah, it's been it's been a struggle for the uh, for the Eagles. Uh, all right, for my first pick, I am going with uh, the New York Jets. They're one and a half point underdogs against a Bills team that's locked in to the five seed. Looks like they're going to play their starters for some uh, undetermined amount of time. This is a game number one. It's not really a road game for the Jets, so I don't think you have to necessarily knock off uh, the max for home field advantage here. So. Uh, you're, you're still getting a point and a half, you know, in a low scoring game. The total in this game is hovering around 36, 37. Uh, this is a game where if the, the Bills are playing their stars for three quarters or a half uh, in a low scoring game like this, I think anything can happen. I think it kind of turns into one of those games uh, like last week with Jet Steelers. Granted, the Jets were at home for that one, but uh, Jets still uh, have a decently good uh, run defense. Uh, even with some injuries and but Adams is back, which is big. You saw yeah, that last week. Right, right. So, you know, he, you know, they have some key guys back on defense, a defense that was, it was improving over the second half. Uh, granted, they had a couple of, you know, they, they got blown out by Baltimore, but a defense that was improving uh, got a little better in the secondary when some guys got benched and, and whatnot. Uh, Tremaine Johnson being at the top of that list. So uh, I like the Jets in this spot as short dogs. I think that, uh, they can, they have a really solid chance of winning uh, a close, low-scoring game against Buffalo. Um, Le'Veon Bell should get going. Uh, the Bills have been a little weaker on run defense. We'll see who they rest, if they rest anyone like Edmonds or somebody like that. Um, obviously, that would be big if they rested uh, – if Tredavious White was out for any portion of that game uh, for, for, for the purposes of Robbie Anderson to get going, who's really come on lately as well. And then uh, Jameson Crowder was a guy who had, what was it, 17 catches or something like that in the first matchup. So uh, one point loss for the Jets, I believe it was in, in that first game. Or, or, so this is one where, yeah, I just think the Jets uh, should be able to, to, to keep it close. And it's kind of a coin flip game, given the uncertainty. Uh, Bills opened as four and a half point favorites. So the line went down. So uh, I probably anticipated end closing at like Bills by one. Uh, so happy to get it here at point and a half. Again, don't love the slate in general, but I uh, do think this is more of a coin flip game than people realize. Yeah, I mean, you have a big motivational mismatch here. It's a team, you know, that's a Jets team that's playing their division rival. It was a playoff team, 10 and 5. who came back and beat them in week one. You heard some interviews about a lot of the players mentioning that, including Jamal Adams. Uh, well, whereas Buffalo... They have no care for this game at all. And they're pretty much in the AFC. It's Ravens locked at one. If the Patriots win against the Dolphins, which you can presume at home, they're number two. The Chiefs win. You know, they play the Chargers, which is not as safe as Patriots over Dolphins, but pretty safe to assume they're the three. And that means the Texans will be the four. So the Bills can really sit here this week and say, there's a pretty good shot. We're going to play the Texans next week. So let's spend some time uh, looking at some Texans film and game planning for that game instead of worrying about this meaningless Jets game. Sean McDermott, you know, on that staff, they're intelligent, a very good staff, that I trust that they would do that. Um, and you know, they've come out and said our, all of our starters are going to play, including Josh Allen, but they're going to come out at some point. So where, no matter what, that will help the Jets. Um, what I'm hoping for here, I don't know if I would – if I'm necessarily going to get in pregame, but if I don't, I am hoping that the the Bills, you know, Josh Allen, they get the ball and they go down and they go up seven nothing, and I know that eventually their starters are going to come out and I can grab them live. Um, all right, for my second pick, I am going with the Houston Texans. Now, this is a pregame podcast. We're telling you the, our best, you know, bets that we like pregame. I get, I grabbed this plus six uh, right when it came out, and it was announced that. 
Texans were going to play their starters. It came down to about three and a half. Now, I grabbed six. I still like it at three and a half, taking three and a half here for this contest. And if you go back, a lot of people are saying, why does Bill, Bill O'Brien, who, and I'm not a fan of their staff, but why does he say, why are they going to play their starters? Well, number one, you have to at least play them to start because you, the seating is still in flux if, you know, and this is, this is why the, the scheduling is so awful this way, if the Chiefs were to lose. But the Chiefs play at one and they play at four. So there's a chance that if the Chiefs lose at one, then the Texans are playing for the three seed. And the importance of the three seed is that you avoid the Ravens until potentially the AFC championship game. Um, and, you, and the Texans can play, you know, a Patriots team in the divisional round that they beat handily instead of a Ravens team that beat them, I don't know, 45. 41-7? Yeah, something, something around there. So that would be an incentive. So they would play, and they would play their starters probably the entire game if that happens, if the Chiefs lose. Now, if the Chiefs don't, I still trust that O'Brien will start his starters. The reason for that, he's a Belichick guy. So he's from the Belichick tree, and Belichick doesn't believe in resting starters week 17, even when they have everything locked up. He's done that in the past. Now, you know, if it's back and forth, I could see O'Brien trying to play to win. I don't agree with it, especially with Watson banged up. You know, his ankle isn't great right now, and your offensive line has questions. So I'm getting out of here healthy, but that's not his philosophy. That's why he came out and said it's more of a Belichick thing that he's emulating. Um, so, but if I do, if I, they do get a big lead, I might take a piece of this off in anticipation that the starters probably will come out, especially if the chiefs won at one o'clock. So these are some things to consider. Um, but you know, the Texans, they were plus three at, you know, they were plus three at Tennessee the other week. Now you're catching them over a field goal at home and all the pressures on Tennessee, it's winning in and we see it every single year winning in teams just come out and flop. And uh, one thing to just to point out, there's, you know, I'm going to have this in our write-up. This, this special team's advantage in this game is pretty shocking. And it cost the Titans the game against Houston. They lost by a field goal. They had a field goal blocked. Their special teams, if you just look DVOA, the Titans are like 28th. They're trending down. They're on their fourth kicker. Fourth kicker. They're eight of twenty-two from field goals in the year. Eight of twenty-two. Oh, yeah. Like I, I have like a like so I have a model, you know, obviously doing fantasy uh, for kickers, and it essentially looks at like what a kicker's expected production would be versus what his actual production would be, and gives kind of a number like one, like a, a ninety-two is e- is like about even, and then like you know over ninety-two into the hundreds, you know, essentially you multiply his expected points by that, and sure. and the Titans kicker. Uh, every kicker they've had has been like the lowest one in my model, like down in like the seventies. So essentially like however many field goals plus extra points you expect them to score. And that's with, you know, in fantasy, you get added points for like, you know, 40 yard, 50 yard field goals. They still get in the seventies, like percentage wise of those points. So they're like, it's just, they're bad. Uh, But give me the Texans catching over a field goal here. And I also will have a shot to maybe buy that out of this. If uh, the Texans do get a lead. So give me the Texans at over a field goal. It's it's the right play on paper. Uh, it does make me kind of nervous just because Bill O'Brien's teams sometimes don't even show up when they have uh, full motivation. Well, that but, means they're going to show up when they don't, right? <laughs> I, I guess. All right. So, so for my second pick, I guess it is a team that has nothing to play for against a team that does have something to play for. Uh, they are a favorite, though, so not quite uh, adhering to your uh, Eagles trend, but going Broncos three and a half favorites over the – Oakland Raiders here. If they win, the Raiders have a shot to make the plus. If O'Brien does start as starters and the Ravens beat the Steelers, which could happen, we'll get to that game, and the Raiders win and the Colts beat the Jags. None of that is crazy. The Raiders are in the playoffs. So they are playing – this is a must-win for them. So this, this game does fit the criteria. Right. And, yeah, and so first of all, it's like the Raiders beat the Chargers. 
in LA, big whoop de doo Who doesn't? Like, who doesn't? You can never trust the Chargers as a teaser when they're a favorite. You, it's all like I'm waiting for your Philip Rivers underdog teaser piece today. You know, fading the Raiders coming off this win that was not as surprising as many maybe people think it was. Uh, if you fade uh, John Gruden historically versus a sub 500 team going back to 2003, uh, you are 27 and 19 and two against the spread. That's 59. percent uh, if you fade the Raiders on the road uh, under John Gruden, you're 10 and five against the spread, uh, you know, and these, these new iteration of Raiders. So since he started coaching them last year, uh, and that's even with the, the, uh, the cover against the, the Chargers last week. So still uh, failing to cover in uh, two out of every three. Uh, if you fade Gruden after a win uh, all time, uh, going back to t- 2003 uh, in our database, you are 65% against the spread. Uh, and then of course, as you mentioned, you have all kind of the factors uh, working in, in your favor with Broncos really having nothing to play for, the Raiders having everything to play for. They, you know, now Gruden, it looked like Josh Jacobs was definitely going to play. Uh, now they're saying, you know, maybe, maybe not. We're not going to rush him back. We're going to play with the best guys we have. So I don't know if he had a setback or if that's just, you know, them Gruden being coy or what, but that's also something to, to monitor. But, uh, you know, I, I like the Broncos in this one. I think it's tough to come into mile high. Uh, late in the year, you're, you're a team that plays in Cali. Uh, you know, you're kind of, you know, you just picked up a win against another team that plays in Cali. Now you're going into mile high, totally different kind of game, physical Broncos team, team that knows that you have something at stake, a team that you beat earlier in the year to start the year that kind of left you off on like a sour, uh, a sour note to start the year. So revenge game aspect for the Broncos, uh, usually like to target, uh, the, the team that didn't cover in the first meeting in, in these divisional games as well. So uh, a lot of factors in favor of the Broncos. And I, I just think they're the better uh, team at this point. I think the Raiders have kind of been outplaying their, um, you know, what their true talent level is all season. Uh, that was the case. I, I remember earlier at one point they had a winning record and a, and a negative point differential, which is kind of indicative of, of, of a team that's doing that. But right now Broncos playing solid football with Drew Locke. Um, you know, he hasn't been horrible. Their defense is still good. This Raider defense is not good. So I don't think they'll be the, – they're the kind of team that really can um, take advantage of a rookie quarterback and his experience because they don't get a lot of pressure. And so he's going to be able to kind of complete the complete balls to, to Sutton, to Fant. Deshaun Hamilton finally uh, showing some life after he was just invisible all year. Uh, was supposed to be a good player for the Broncos, but just invisible through two quarterbacks, Flacco and Allen, now starting to show some life. So I think the Broncos will be able to move the football – uh, on one side, I think the Raiders will struggle a little bit against that defense and struggle with the uh, uh, just being on the road in mile high. So give me the Broncos uh, three and a half point favorites. Yeah, I mean, this is still a it's still a, a, an Oakland team that went to the Jets and lost 34 to three. Um, you know, it's 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 still an Oakland team that lost 40 to nine to the Chiefs, 42 21 to the Titans, blew a lead to the Jags. I mean, this is what they've been doing at home. Something else to keep in mind is not only do you have you know, the Jacobs injury, and that's their offense. Their defense stinks. I mean, mm-hmm. Everyone knows that. Their defense is terrible. Their offense was doing some really good things. It all started with a really healthy Jacobs. But now you not only have a fully healthy Jacobs, you lost Trent Brown, you know, Richie mm-hmm. Incognito was hurt. So that offensive line, which was also the key piece to the offense, it was basically just pound Jacobs, set up some play action, some short passes with a really good offensive line. You can be an efficient offense that way when you have a star back. 
but it, oh, that's not all there now. So yeah, I agree. For this contest, you get three and a half. It doesn't matter if you have three, but I'm waiting on three yeah, um, yeah, for anyone out there. So right. you should probably get a three because again, this is a situation where as the week goes on, you start to hear this, you know, these, oh, Raiders can get the playoffs with a win and, and you, you're going to probably see a lot more Raiders money than Broncos money and that three should pop eventually. Like this line should be four and a half or five, five and a half. And now it's just coming down because of who needs to win. And then you get a three, and all of a sudden you're getting two points of value. Uh, I'm going to keep this simple for my last pick. I am betting – this is really on a gut. So you took the Broncos, so I do like that one. I'll get in later to why I don't like the Redskins, who do qualify. Um, But for this – for my last pick, I'm going with the Bengals. And again, for this contest, it doesn't – when we do this, it doesn't – pushes don't count as wins, and that's the only thing that matters. So I'm taking Bengals plus two and a half now. It's, it's about to go to three. It'll go to three. The whole world will be on the Browns. And this is basically just a play on what I've seen, what I've heard, and I just can't envision the Browns showing up here. This is a team that was in turmoil in the locker room. You see them arguing, and I believed in them to put it together for a game at home in your home season finale against the best team in the NFL, against the Ravens. Wow, and they stole a shot at the playoffs. Like, they could have been the Raiders. If they just beat the Ravens yeah. and all those other things happened, the Browns would have went to the playoffs by just beating the Bengals here. But they pulled a Browns. But I think Kitchens is done. He's lost it. He's lost the locker room. And they're going to Cincy. There's going to be seven. The tickets are like $21 on StubHub. There's going to be 17 people here. And, you know, I just think that you're going to see them come out as flat as you've ever seen an NFL team. I think the Bengals are a little undervalued in the market because they went through a stretch with Ryan Finley as their quarterback for three or four games. They averaged 11 points per game. You know, and since then they've gotten, you know, healthier at tight end. They've gotten Ross back. And, and then the big one is just Dalton, who could just throw it at least downfield a little bit, with Finley couldn't do. So since they were averaging about 11 points per game with Finley, you know, since Dalton's come back, they're averaging around 22, 23 points per game. They should be able to run on the Browns. The Browns' run defense, I mean, it really misses their defensive ends in general, but the Browns' run defense is horrid. I mean, it is beyond bad. And Mixon went for 20, 23 for 150 and had four catches for 40 yards in the first meeting. The Bengals just handed it off and ran for six yards a carry in the first meeting. They handed it off 32 times, right, for 180 yards. Uh, the Browns also, their backs should also have some success, by the way. But I think the Bengals will be able to run it. They'll be able to – and I'm just – and the Browns' run defense is so bad. So I think the Bengals will be able to move it on the ground. Dalton hit some plays, but this is mainly – I don't think the Browns show up at all. Don't get off the bus in what should be a just absolutely horrid – environment if you're at that game you couldn't pay me to go to that game at this point bet against the browns it seems it's like it's the play it's always seems to be the play and i agree i don't know what the browns motivations are i mean maybe there's some individual incentives there but that doesn't really help you know the team cohesion so uh and then you have you know we know help the play call the hard play call either yeah and and we know guys like you know a guy like odo beckham is not 100 percent. you know what i mean so uh, it's tough. Uh, Nick Chubb seeing less work in the passing game lately. It's 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 just a. I could see Beckham getting benched by Kitchens after like arguing with him in the first quarter, like stuff like that. <laughs> like they're arguing, people are arguing with each other in this game in the first quarter. It's just there's going to be penalties galore. It's going to be a disaster. After evaluating millions of pieces of data in the blink of an eye, the Gambletron 2000 says the winner is. Cincinnati by 200 points. Why, you worthless hunk of junk? Let's see. So, yeah, my third one, I don't know. I, I go back and forth. Uh, I was thinking of going with the Redskins. I, I took the, 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 the Bucks, so I'll stick with them in, in, our, in our draft. Uh, they are a – looks like a pick right now. 
Uh, Falcons coming in here again, and, and this didn't work last week, kind of fading the Falcons. But I just, I just think these teams are still pretty much evenly matched at this point. Falcons going on the road. Uh, Matt Ryan uh, and that offense not quite as efficient uh, in you know non-dome settings. So uh, they'll be outside out in the outdoors. Granted, pretty probably good weather, but um, you know just not as effective. At this point, they're just really jamming the ball into Julio. Uh, eventually, this is going to get predictable. And the Bucks have been playing better on the outside uh, at corner. And we, you know, we've seen that with uh, with Deed and Carlton Davis uh, offering, uh, you know, a step up from what what it was earlier in the year when you know Hardgraves was mixing in and all that. So, uh, like the the Bucks in a game that I think it's more uh, two teams pretty evenly matched. I know the Bucks are without some weapons, but I think these two teams are for the most part at this point in the year that the Falcons missing Ridley and you know whatnot evenly matched teams. Uh, Falcons on the road. Give me the Bucks here. Uh, Jameis Winston giveth. Jameis Winston taketh away. Uh, but, I mean, he's still, you know, going out there and throwing for 330 with all these backups. So, you know, it's kind of in a, a similar situation to the Falcons where they, they might get their yards by throwing 20 times to Julio Jones. Jameis Winston will spread it around uh, to, to Prashad and, and, and Watson and Howard and all these guys. But the result is the same. Matt Ryan hasn't been the most uh, careful with the ball for most of the season either. Uh, and again, I just I think the Bucks defense is a little better than people think. You know, Houston had had some struggles last week, uh, and a lot of people didn't expect them to have you know struggles against this defense. So uh, you know, top two run, top top run defense, and then that's that's going to be key because Freeman for the Falcons, Devonte Freeman has been really stepping up of late in the pass game. But the uh, Bucks are also number two DVOA on defending running back passes, which you know if you limit Freeman a little bit in the run game and the, the pass game. You make the offense really one-dimensional with, with Julio. Uh, Christian Blake, their other receiver, uh, he has run, I believe it's 74 routes over the last three games and been targeted once. So you're going to kind of force the Falcons to do some things either they don't want to do or you're going to make them pretty one-dimensional. On the road, team that's underperformed all year, Dan Quinn, uh, probably his last game. Give me the bucks here. Yeah, I don't know. I think I disagree. I still got to dig into this game. I actually do think it's worth an underlook because what you said is right. And I've liked Bucks uh, overs this year, but in the last couple of weeks, without Godwin um, and without Evans, their offense obviously isn't the same. They're still going to chuck it around, but they're playing, you know, a little slower. And the thing is, th- their defense is trending in the right direction. The Falcons' defense is trending in the right direction. You know, and the Falcons don't have Ridley, and they obviously lost to New earlier this year, so. I think both defenses, and you're right. Ryan last week had, I think, one or two picks because he was forcing it in a double coverage um, against, you know, just trying to get the ball to Julio Jones. But then I, I look at it, and the Falcons' defense, it has to be said. And I didn't think they're – I was like, maybe there's something to this around the air. But apparently there is because once Quinn gave up play-calling duties as defensive coordinator, at, so they, had, they played eight games before the bye, and they allowed 250 points – before the bye in those eight games, that's about 32 points per game. And the seven games since, they've allowed 127. It's about 18. They've been a top five scoring defense, top five third down defense. And look, they played the Saints twice. You know, they played the 49ers. Uh, they played this Bucks offense when healthy. The Bucks are the only team that's blown them out. They, they, the Falcons started one and seven. They're five and two since the bye. Uh, so they have a little bit of revenge from that Bucks game. It put up 35. In that game, Godwin went bonkers Um, so obviously you don't have him now but it took them some time I think to figure out some things both good you know both defenses are trending up their strength is in the front seven you know so let's call it a wash and then do I say you know do I trust 
Julio, Hooper, and Freeman, or and then I look at the Bucks and I say, oh man, I don't know. So that's that's like I, I know James is going to spray it around, but just having those three pretty reliable options and what you said about the Bucks matching up with Freeman is right, and their their front seven is solid. But that's that is my concern at the end of the day. But I don't hate it. This should be Bucks minus three, maybe Bucks minus two. I'm getting a pick, so uh, give me the Bucks. And again, you know, when, when in doubt, fade Dan Quinn. That's that's one of my one fair of enough. All right, so that does it for our Sunday six-pack. Stuck going with the Giants plus four and a half, the Texans plus three and a half, and the Cincinnati Bengals plus two and a half. I am going with the Jets plus one and a half, the Broncos minus three and a half, and the Tampa Bay Bucks as a pick against the Atlanta Falcons. Now let's get into our favorite total of the week. Stuck, uh, you started us off with the six-pack, so I'll jump right into the total. Uh, got a little off-brand with the Broncos uh, in that last segment. Going right back on brand, I mean, can you guess what the total I'm picking this week? Uh, it's either going to be the Ravens under or the, or the Jets under. Obviously, the, the, the Ravens under. It's not because of the Ravens. It's the Steelers. Uh, the Steelers unders seven in a row now. Yeah, I think it's seven games straight. Uh, they've hit the under. The Steelers, who are top four defense, going against a uh, Ravens team that looks like they're going to sit Lamar Jackson. Not only Lamar Jackson, but uh, uh, Mark Ingram, who's in the top five in in touchdowns from scrimmage this year, has 15 touchdowns. So you're essentially removing two of the best offensive weapons uh, in the National Football League this year. And Yonda, arguably the best guard in the NFL. Right. So like the biggest risk in this game is, and that's always a risk you're willing to take when you're betting unders in these kind of games, is, is you know, defensive production kind of getting out of hand a little bit or, or setting up short fields for the offenses and whatnot, which could happen. Uh, but you also have the Steelers who want the quarterback that they're going to start, Devlin Hodges, they, don't, they wanted to bench him for a quarterback that they already benched and Mason Rudolph who got hurt. So now they're talking about uh, Paxton Lynch will be the backup, but Hodges will be on a short leave. So leash, excuse me. So we could see some of Lynch. So this is just a mess of offense for both of these teams. And it's no wonder that the Steelers have been hitting the under. Then, uh, you know, mentioned this uh, on the pod, I think it was last week, mentioned it in, in, the, in the early write-up for the games we bet early uh, on ActionNetwork.com. But uh, the Mike Tomlin is the most profitable coach uh, when, the, when, it, when his team goes on the road in, in our entire BetLabs database dating back to 2003. Uh, over 120 coaches included in that database. The Tomlin Road under 61 and 42, seven and zero this season, 59% uh, hit rate all time. Uh, that's you know that kind of goes into the kind of games that he plays. It kind of goes into you know he's gonna get him he's gonna get him fired up. Hey, we need to make the playoffs. Division rival uh, played him close last time. Not not as on the spread as some people. Some people like the, the spread in this game. Um, I think it could go either way, but don't see how these teams score uh, enough points to hit this total at uh, at 38. And uh, I like it, especially it's it's still floating 38, 38 and a half. Uh, just in general, all time, uh, dating back to 2003, the, the Mike Tomlin over, regardless of venue, home road, whatever, coming off win loss when the total is 38 or more uh, is 99, 70 and one. That is a 59 percent uh, hit rate as well. If you bet on every one of those, uh, you would have a 15% ROI, which is pretty solid. So, uh, been banging these Steelers unders all year. See no reason to stop uh, now. Yeah, I can't disagree with you. By the way, I think the Ravens are still going to win this game. Um, it fits into that scenario. Now, the reason I didn't bet it, I'm waiting to see if this gets to three. If not, 
Uh, I'm going to tease it. That's a teaser for the teaser segment. But yeah, I agree. It should be low scoring. The only thing that could go wrong is, you know, the Ravens are going to run. They're just going to run the ball. And their defense is still, you know, Brandon Williams isn't playing. Hurts a little bit in the run D, but it's not like the Steelers can really run the ball. Um, Connor's banged up again. Every time he plays a game, he's one game. Connor and Will Fuller. Like, it's just ridiculous. They can only play one game at a time, one game a month. <laughs> one, yeah. Um, you know, Earl Thomas isn't playing, but it's not like the, the, the Steelers can throw it deep. So the only concern, you know, is if turnovers, I don't know if RG3, if they're just going to go out there and let them chuck, I assume they're just going to run. But if the Ravens decide to sit their corners, I don't think they are. I think Harbaugh is pretty candid with who they are and aren't sitting. But if, if Harbaugh says, look, Jimmy Smith's made of glass, we can, our defense is all based on our corners. So we're sitting Smith um Peters and Humphrey if that happens I don't even know if the Steelers can still throw on their backup the Ravens backup corners but the Ravens backup corners are bad that's why their defense sucked the first four weeks of the year uh but yeah I mean this is uh a game where the Ravens just want to sit run it I think the Ravens defense will be fired up they want to you know, end the Steelers season. The crowd will be wild. This is a team that's won uh, 11 games in a row, so they don't want to end that. Um, I think they're going to be motivated to win, even though they have their backups in. This line is crazy. It was already at three, people. Listen, the line was at three because everyone knew the Ravens were going to rest their starters, and that's where this line should be. Well, now it's uh, the Steelers need to win, and they're playing the backups. Now you could get Ravens plus three here. Kind of out of hand. Ravens, That's what I mean. Ravens like, are going to win by three in a Tucker field goal. You know, it's funny. This kind of goes into isn't John isn't Harbaugh the most uh, profitable preseason coach as well? And this is like the same type of situation. They have great where, depth. Yeah, like you think they're you think oh they're out they're down and out they're 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 definitely going to lose they're, they're they're sitting their starters and it's like this team will still play to win and they're still a deep team and, they, and as you mentioned they still have good special teams which in a game like this could could win large so I. I don't think that the Steelers are going to come out and try to throw the ball downfield. You mentioned that teams are going to play conservative in this kind of situation. They don't want to have Duck Hodges at quarterback. They made that pretty clear last week. So uh, I don't think they come out and just start chucking it down the field to, to, to James Washington, um, you know, just if, even if the Ravens are resting people. So, yeah, I, I like the under. It's 38 uh, right now. Got it at 38 and a half. Uh, I think it's a play. It's a great play at, at 38 or higher. So. All right, I am going to, for my total, something I already mentioned and teased, and it was uh, the Bucks falcons under. I think that the Falcons' offense is a little easier to game plan for with basically just targeting Julio Jones 30 times a game, um, and there's really no one else you have to worry about. I think the Bucks are smart enough to do that. And you saw the Bucks do that last week with Hopkins when Stills went out and, and all that was left. It was, it was uh, Hopkins and then their return man. Their, who, that's, DeAndre that Carter, was, yeah. Yeah, DeAndre Carter. That's that was basically that's basically it. Who was a substitute a substitute teacher two years ago? I believe I read that recently, making like one hundred fifty dollars a day. So good for him. He's he's been okay as a return man too. But that was it. So like they're they, I think that they're capable. They've had some issues on the back end, but they've been better, as you said. Uh, they got rid of some guys, and then their fill-ins have been playing a lot better. And I actually am a big fan of Dean from Auburn. Thank so well. I think that they could slow down that passing attack. And the same with the Falcons. Like it's just. You know, it's there's there's no Godwin, there's no Evans. They're not going to be able to run the ball. Neither team's going to be able to run the ball. So I think, and it's late season divisional under. Both teams are playing for nothing. So there's a chance also they just come out and one of these teams just gets drilled and they are flat from the start. Uh, so give me the Falcons, Bucks under 48. It's going to be a weird game, however you look at it. So um, I, I don't hate that pick at all. I think I mean my, outdoors, my, like you said too, out, outdoors too. This isn't in the dome. I'm pretty sure windy. 
when you combine that wind trend of 10 mile per hour plus, which already hits at a 56% clip with the divisional under trend, I'm pretty sure the hit rate is something absurd. Uh, our guy, I think it's Mike Randall wrote it up because uh, he's taken the Chiefs under as well for that same reason. So I think it's some absurd hit rate like in the 70s or 80s for, for like windy divisional games late in the year. So uh, it's probably going to be an ugly game one way or another. Yep. Uh, so yeah, let's go now to our favorite teaser of the week. Oh, yeah. Six-point teasers. Um, we're going to start this off with your pick, Stuck. And, and before we do that, I know one of the teams you're teasing is a team that going, is going against a team that we're going to dedicate the coach's pep talk to this week. Uh, again, by popular demand, the coach's pep talk from the 1994 film Blue Chips. No wire again? Jeez. <laughs> so we, we got to dedicate this one to the Steelers here. Uh, from Coach Bell in the 1994 film, Blue Chips. All right, boys. We got a job to do. Now, goddammit, we're not going out there to make a good show or just put up a good fight. We're going out there to beat the best goddamn team in the country right now. Now, let me tell you something, boys. You may not know this, but I know it. There is the talent in this room to do just that. I'll tell them exactly what we're going to do. I'll give them our offense. I'll give them our defense. Because it's not what you do, goddammit. It's how you do it. And we're going to go nose to nose with them. And you're going to play better than you ever dreamed of. Because, goddammit, that's what I demand of you. All right, Stuck. So, yeah, tell us why you're, you're, you're teasing the Ravens and, uh, and who else you got here. Unreal. I mean, I, I thought Ravens could be Ravens. And the pep, the pep talk is for the Ravens game, and it's not the wire this week. Don't worry, people. The Ravens are going to be playing in the playoffs. I will make sure that we have some good wire clips. I swear to f- Christ, we will beat you longer and harder than you beat your own Because f- you do not get to win, f- bird. We do. But, yeah, I mean, I already explained it. Like, I think the Ravens should be three-point favors here with everyone sitting. And now this line's crossed the two. You're getting two and a half. You can tease it now up across the seven. True Wong teaser now crossing three, four, six, seven. No-brainer in a low-scoring game. That are presumably a low-scoring game where the total is at 38. It's making that tease even more valuable. Uh, and then I'll use kind of the same logic with the Jets, teasing them up over a touchdown in uh, presumably a low-scoring game. This total is a 36-and-a-half, where the Bills will eventually pull their starters playing for nothing. I think the Jets will be the more motivated team. Uh, so give me the Jets-Ravens teaser. Yeah, I, I, uh, I like the Jets as well, teasing them. Um, I, you know, they, I picked them in, uh, in the six-pack. I think that they are a good tease as well, if you're not quite you know, sure how they're going to come out. Uh, you know, as far as covering the, the short spread, you can tease them up to seven and a half. I think that's a pretty solid bet there. Uh, with the Bills potentially resting their starters for, uh, you know, uh, a, a decent portion of the game, because I don't see why they would leave them in, you know, more than a couple of series to kind of get them, uh, you know, get them some work and, and get to keep them in rhythm. Uh, and then teasing, and, and this worked out last week as well, uh, teasing the Chiefs down. So, uh, you know, I know it's always dangerous to go against Rivers and the Chargers, you know, in these teases here, but uh, Chiefs defense been playing really well. Um, that's something that we haven't always seen uh, in the past. Uh, this year, very good pass defense, and you have that. You have Philip Rivers, and listen, I, I think this is a game. It's Week 17. We've been hearing the whispers all year about Rivers. Uh, you know, uncertain future. This could be a game where, where Tyrod Taylor gets some gets some run. Uh, I could see them pulling Rivers. I could see Rivers turning the ball over, especially if the, the Chiefs get out to a lead and the, the Chargers are in comeback mode. So. Uh, like the Chiefs teasing them down from eight and a half to two and a half, uh, I think they win by at least a field goal, uh, but they have the potential to, uh, to to blow out the Chargers as well, though that usually doesn't happen when Rivers is on the road. 
Um, but I uh, like the spot for the Chiefs. So going Chiefs-Jets here for my tease. Yep, that's true long with the, with the Chiefs too, so don't hate it. All right, let's get into our underdog money line parlay. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the Moneyline Parlay. Uh, I'm going back to the city that never sleeps. I already talked about it earlier. It fits my criteria. I think the line is too high, so there's some value here. The Eagles still have all the problems they've had before. This is the Giants Super Bowl, and uh, I can even envision... Eli coming in for some random reason could be a Jones concussion a Jones pick Eli comes in and goes sails off into the sunset with a game-winning touchdown drive to uh, eliminate the Eagles from postseason contention assuming the Cowboys win because again in the NFC East you don't have to win games they both the Eagles could lose and then the Cowboys could lose and the Eagles still get in the playoffs but uh, I like the Giants here I think they win Uh, you know what you know I was gonna go with the Chicago Bears for some of the same reasons but why not? Let's just go to the Jets. Let's just try to double up on New York. Back New York again. Yeah, let's do it. Because, I mean, I like the Jets. I, I'm taking them plus 1.5, which means I, you know, think they have a pretty good shot at winning the football game, and they actually have better uh, money line odds than the, the Bears, who are one-point underdogs and essentially even money uh, on, the, on the money lines. Uh, you got the Giants. That should pay out around 5-1. to one. Uh, You can go to actionnetwork.com slash betting uh, hyphen calculators to uh, calculate – all types of parlay bets and expected value on all your different kind of bets. So uh, hopefully we can double up on this New York, New York love, get it right. Let's get into the best of the rest, which are the games that didn't make it into any other segment. Let's start off with the seven and eight bears going to Minnesota to take on the 10 and five Vikings. The Vikings are one point favorites, 81% of the bets. 73% of the money on the Minnesota Vikings here. Stuck, any thoughts on this one? I can't believe I backed Mitch Bortles against in the Revenge Bowl, and I had to do it once I got the seven seven by numbers, and I can't believe I did it. I'm still shook after Sunday night, after that line got to seven. Um, And I know the whole world was on the Chiefs, and the books needed more money on the Chiefs. They knew – I mean, they knew – they needed some money on the Bears. They knew that, you know – sharper people would take it at seven and I, I fell into the hole but anyway I can't back Mitch Bortles here I can't bet this Bears team I mean do you want to sum up who this Bears team is this 2019 Bears team fourth and 24 at the end of that game they throw it they check it down for five Mitch Bortles checks it down for five yards um and they, they had one guy who ran a route longer than 15 yards it's just sad um but the Vikings look they're playing for nothing they're locked in have nothing to play for at the last week. They also have some injuries, so you're not going to see Cook play. You're not going to see Madison play. You might not see Thielen play. Uh, Kendricks on the defensive side is not going to play. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Sean Mannion uh, and Cousins doesn't play. And you also have a, a very conservative coach. I mean, I, the Vikings, I, I kind of lean to the under here. I just got to see who's out on that Vikings defense. But, I mean, at the end of the day, you're also still playing Mitch Bortles in that awful Bears offense. But the Vikings should come out here and just run it with uh, – your boy, who did nothing last week. Mike Everyone was so excited about him. Boone, it's just Sean Mannion versus Mitch Bortles, week 17 in a meaningless game. Yeah. The, 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 so the home under uh, under Mike Zimmer for the, the Vikings, 20, 29 and 18. Uh, the, then you have Mitch Trubisky in games with a total of 44 last. The under is 22 and 10, 8 and 4 this season. Mitch Trubisky as a road underdog, and they're still an underdog uh, as we uh, record this, uh, 9 and 2 toward the under. So – uh, a lot of trends kind of pointing toward the under. 
that's the play I would uh, I would make. Yeah, and, and let me. Look, we're recording this on Christmas Eve because uh, we love what we do. Well, it's actually Christmas Day now. Yeah, it's Christmas Day. Uh, two in the morning, so that's the timing. That's the timing right now. And football doesn't sleep. Like my family and, and my other my girls, I'm like, well, you have to work tonight. I'm like, yeah, it's like it's still a regular football weekend. Duh. And like tomorrow, there's gonna be practice, and you'll get updates on what the Vikings will do. So the the latest update was from this afternoon on Christmas Eve, where it said the Vikings, you know, may rest certain players, which means they will. And you know that they're gonna rest Cook and the ones that are banged up. Mike Zimmer hasn't made a decision yet. That will probably come tomorrow and or Thursday. So keep an eye out there. Um, that's why the line dipped, and you, you can assume that. I, I think they're gonna sit a bunch, but you, you know they they might start Cousins at a couple of the receivers for a couple drives and then pull them. Uh, that's why this line is one. You're not going to get a, a max oh, effort yeah. for the Vikings. Oh, no. We're getting, we're getting some C.J. Ham at halfback in this one. We're getting some Tyler uh, – what's his name? Tyler Conklin at tight oh, – we're getting all of it. We're getting some Alexander Hollins at wideout, some Laquan Treadwell with, with, with the oh, – B.C. Johnson, he's going to get like 30 targets yeah. or is he yeah, hurt? It's going to be B.C. Johnson and Laquan Treadwell will, will like beat a coverage bust to, to screw the, 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 the under or something under. like that. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be it'll be brutal. AFC South, we have a matchup between the seven and eight Indianapolis Colts and the five and ten Jacksonville Jaguars. Jags getting three and a half points, seventy eight percent of the bets, eighty five percent of the money on the Colts. The total is forty three with fifty six percent of the bets, but only forty seven percent of the money on the over. Stuck. What are we doing with this one? I think I mean Colts Jags. I have. Absolutely nothing for this game. The one thing I will say that I've written down is the Colts did come out and just wax the Panthers 38-6 last week. They have a good staff, right? I trust their staff. It's not the most talented team, but that was the week after they were eliminated. So if I'm picking a team that I think is going to show up here in this awful, dead, flat spot, it's the Colts against the Jags team that's just – they had one miracle win uh, and a comeback win against the Raiders. Other than that, they just keep getting their doors blown off every single week. You know, so, but am I laying three and a half with the Colts on the road here? Probably not. I, you know, if you got it early with the Colts, probably a good bet. Um, now it's a complete pass for me. But the, the Jags, they don't show up. Colts will just run right down their throat all game. They, their run defense is, is, is bad. Their linebackers are bad. They have so many injuries on that defense. Their offense is now bad. I mean, it's just a bad team. It's a game of two bad teams. This is what I was mentioning earlier in the podcast. You're going to have these week 17 games that you just go, oof. Yeah. This is one of them. Um, well, I, I got some. It's not – yeah, it's, I agree with you on the game. That's pretty much how I see it playing out. Colts should be able to run. Uh, but I do have something on the total. Uh, remember that in 2015, they moved the extra point back. Uh, when you see a total of 43, uh, just kind of for future reference, you, you, the books really kind of want you to take the – they want you to take the over. They set it at 43. It probably should be lower than 43. If they set it at 44, then okay. Then, then, then it's a little more, um, you know – in play to go either way, but at 43, uh, the books are usually inflating it here. Uh, under 43 since 2015, 44 and 22, 66.7%, uh, 30% ROI, covering by an average of 3.5 per game. So when you see these 43s, they're usually just inflated numbers that really probably should be 41. Uh, and 43 is a new key number. Like it used to be 44, but now mm-hmm. – once, because there's more missed extra points, that's why 43 is now much more important since 2015 and why you, you're bringing that number up. Let's get into our next matchup, which is the 3-12 and 12 Washington Redskins. The 7-8 Dallas Cowboys. You talked about it, Stuck. Uh, Cowboys laying 11, 64% of the bet, 65% of the money on the Redskins. A total 44.5 with 68% of the bets and 83% of the money on the over. How do you feel about this one? Why don't you like the Redskins? 
Stuck? Yeah, I mean, I was all set to go with the Redskins. This is my spot, and especially with the Cowboys, a team, you know, a big home favorite, too. And where where is this locker room? Is Garrett on his way out after last weekend's lackadaisical effort? But there's a reason why I can't play this. And number one, even if you look at the Redskins' offensive side, they have injuries on the offensive line, on the outside of receiver now. I mean, and Geis is out. Their offense is not healthy. And, and, you know, now you're down to Case Keenum. Haskins is out. That's just the offensive side of the ball. But let's talk about the defense. And the reason I can't play this is because the Cowboys, at the end of the day, still have three really good receivers. They have the best offense in the NFL by some measures. But they have three really good receivers. And they have a quarterback that maybe is a little limited in how far he can throw it down the field. But he should be able to play complete pitch and catch. Maybe outs, little drags, just pitch and catch all up and down the field. And here's why. The Skins are now down to their ninth and tenth quarterbacks, cornerbacks from the beginning of the year. You have Dunbar, and, and he was their best quarter by far. Yeah. Danny Johnson just went on IR yesterday, Christmas Eve. Jimmy Moreland, the rookie out of JMU, just went to IR recently. Uh, Stroman and DRC, who were on the depth chart at the beginning of the year, they went to IR. Fabian Moreau now, he's yep. hurt. And then you have Josh Norman, who's just a healthy scratch because they don't want to pay him his incentives. Even though he's the second highest paid corner in the league, he doesn't play, even though there's eight corners that are hurt. So it's just a disaster. So now they're projected starting corners this week are Aaron Colvin. He was released by the Texans earlier this year. Cody Sensiball, he was released by the Broncos earlier this year, and he signed last week. And Kayvon Webster, he didn't make the final cuts on the Saints, was signed last week. That's two guys they signed off the streets last week starting, and then they just signed two undrafted players, Breon Borders and Dee Delaney, off the practice squad from the Jags, who they say are going to get playing time. Uh, just a disaster at corner. Uh, you know, you have Landon Collins, who isn't known for coverage. He's dealing with an Achilles injury. Monte Nicholson is not a great free state. So I just don't know how the, the, the Cowboys just play pitch and catch all the way down the field against these corners who not only are off the streets, undrafted guys, they haven't played together. They have no – they don't – I mean, they've been, what, they're a week or two. So it is just a nightmare situation at corner. And if you want evidence, because these were the guys that were playing last week, uh, Daniel Jones last week, 28 of 42 for 352 yards, five touchdowns, no picks. Um, so that's what Danny Dives did against the Redskins. Now, the Giants have some good receivers. Daniel Jones has shown, you know, some good things. But Dak Prescott and those receivers are much better. Uh, this is also indoors in Dallas, um, not outside in Washington. I mean, this could get really ugly. Amari Cooper could have 18 catches for 94 yards. It doesn't matter now because the fantasy season's over. Uh, and he, he screwed everybody over pretty much down really? every playoff game. So. Uh, but yeah, I agree. I, like, Quinn Dunbar was number one in Pro Football Focus's cornerback grades, and, and their offense is all banged up too. At receiver, at off, in offensive line, they've had. Steven Sims is coming on though. I like Steven Sims. Him and McLaren are. Well, guess are, who wasn't at practice today? McLaren. So he's. Uh, at, it's Christmas. We're recording this on Christmas. We want them to practice. 17. Practice. McLaren got hurt. During, McLaren got hurt though last week. Right. Yeah. Is he? Is he? I don't think he's out though. Is he? Yeah, he's not. He's not ruled out yet. But he wasn't at practice at all today. Um. And he, when he went down on Sunday. I'm just saying it's something to watch. Oh, yeah, no, I mean, no. There's no way do I want really the over might hit in this game just based on all of these things. I think because Keenum, I, I mean, I think he's I don't mind Keenum. Offense. Yeah, for the, the Haskins, just in the way that they can play with Keenum versus I agree. Uh, so, but anyway. Yeah, I agree, but I, there's just, I just can't trust this Redskins defense. <laughs> um, all right, let's move on. The 12-3 and three Saints going to Carolina to take on the 5-10 and 10 Panthers starting rookie Will Greer for a second career start. Saints, 13-point favorites, getting 76% of the bets and 84% of the 
dollars wagered. The total is 47. Could be some weather issues in Carolina, maybe some wind, maybe some rain. Uh, 71% of the bets, 88% of the money on the under here. Uh, any thoughts on this one, Stuck? Yeah, I mean, the Panthers are dead. Uh, Will Greer has looked awful last week. Yeah. He was lowest-rated quarterback in preseason. Can't back him here. But, I mean, Carolina, so coaching change doesn't matter. This team's been just getting drilled in December. I mean, they lost to the Skins at home. Uh, then they lost by 20 to the Falcons. They did lose by six to the Seahawks. That's only because that's the rule. You, if the Seahawks win, they have to win by one possession. They were up by three – the Seahawks were up by three touchdowns in that game. And the Saints. And then – they, yeah, they lost the third, then 38-6 to the Colts. This team's dead. Will Greer stinks. Um, this passing game stinks. Their, their run defense stinks. The Saints should go out here and get the win. The line's probably a little inflated. I'm not going to lay 13 here. Um, it is amazing that the Saints could win 13 games and get the three seed, and we'll be hosting the Vikings, probably preparing for them right now, if the Packers and the 49ers both win. And, you know, it's – it's bad because the state's 13 wins and you're not going to get a buy. It's only happened one other time since 2000 and happened to the 2011 saints, which might've been one of the best offenses uh, of this century. And uh, they're one of only two teams to average 6.9 yards per player more since 2000. And they went, they ended up winning their wild card round, went division round, played the 49ers, Alex Smith. And then in a thriller, they lost 36, 32. Uh, they took the lead on a 70 yard Jimmy Graham touchdown pass after Alex Smith, took the lead for the Niners on this huge run. And then Vernon Davis caught a touchdown pass in the final seconds of the Saints went bye-bye. And in the deep NFC, that's brutal if you don't get a bye. Uh, and they might not at 13-3. They're underdogs for it to happen. Um, I can't back the Panthers, but I can't lay 13 here. It's just a little inflated. And so it's a complete pass for me. But Will Greer and this team is just bad right now. Yeah. And, you know, the Saints, I mean, it, they have to play the Vikings. That just – it has to happen. So. Yep. Yep. Actually, exactly the way that uh, fate planned it. Let's go to those Packers. They are 12-3. and three. They are going to Detroit to play the 3-11-1, excuse me, Detroit Lions. Packers are laying 12.5, 51% of the bet, 63% of the money on the Lions, the total at 43, with 53% of the bets, 71% of the money on the over. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is. I think this is identical to the last game we just mentioned. The Lions are kind of a mess right now, uh, down to their third-string quarterback, just like the Panthers, playing for nothing uh, against the Packers team, playing for seeding uh, on the road. You can't back. I can't back the home team here, um, but because the line's a little inflated. So, but I can't back the road. So, this is an easy pass for me as well. I will say, I mean, look, the Packers also in a short week after a big win, inflated line. I just. You know, if you have to play this, you got to take the points, um, especially if it gets to 13 or 14. It's ugly. But I will say the Packers, they completely shut down the Vikings last week. And I know Cook didn't play. Um, but Kenny Clark, who's getting himself paid over the past month, has been playing like a man possessed. He's now healthy. And he's actually starting to – they abuse Garrett Bradbury, their center. He's actually starting to cause some push – in the center, in the middle of that Green Bay defense, which they didn't have earlier in the season. Uh, it's something to keep an eye on. But this is probably a pass. The line is, it is a little inflated, but tough, tough game to get involved in. I think if you – Green Bay has motivation, by the way. They win, get a bye. And yeah. they win, Seattle wins, they get the one seed. That's nuts. I think, I think the play, probably the more I think about it, is, is the under because you think of Detroit as this deep, bad defense, and they are a bad defense. But uh, Packers, Jamal Williams banged up uh, – 
I, I could see them kind of, you know, doing what they normally do, which is get out to a lead and kind of slow play the game, play it really conservative. You don't want to get Rodgers hurt. You don't want to get any, you know, you don't want to get Jones hurt. You don't want to get, if, he, if Williams is even back, you don't want to get him hurt. So uh, this is a game where I think the Packers would kind of, you know, try to just get just out of there. Just get out, get out of Dodge or the win. And, and if the line is inflated, yeah, it's, it's, you know, that essentially helps the under because it's just, you know, the Packers probably not winning uh, on at, you know, on median by as big of a margin as the, the line implies. So, yeah, I sure. think the under is the play. Now let's go to the Niners, 12-3 and three at Seattle, 11-4. and four. Seahawks uh, getting three points. Niners getting 78% of the bets, 83% of the money. The total at 47, 53% of the bets, 63% of the dollars on the over. Yeah, I mean, Kyle Shanahan can't call a run on fourth and one, so now the Niners have to win this game to get the one seed. If not, and the Packers win, the 49ers are on the road to start the playoffs next weekend, either in Dallas or in Philly. So, I mean, this game, this stuff, look, there's – I don't know who's playing running back. Uh, Marshawn Lynch and Robert Turbin will join rookie Travis Homer in the backfield. Oh, Travis Homer, yes. That's who they're going to be relying on this week because Lynch, I think they won for the playoffs, but I doubt he's going to be ready. He was just – he was like handing out shots in the parking lot of the Raiders game of the week. That's, that's, not, that's how he plays his normal. He's like Ron Artest. Um, he's got a Henny at halftime and good to go. Yeah, I mean, I guess I, – yeah, I mean, they could maybe <laughs> go use him this week. But, look, they lost – I mean, losing Chris Carson hurts. They, I mean, they're just so banged up at running back. They lost Melvin Gordon. I mean, and this team's we've called them, you know, they've been fraudulent all year long, and it showed last week. The, the biggest difference here is, you know, look, it's Russell Wilson at night and prime time at home. They're going to have a shot, uh, and he's going to give them a shot. But the biggest difference between this time and the time that they played last when the Seahawks beat the 49ers in overtime uh, in San Fran earlier this year is that George Kittle is playing. Um, and if you want to look at the weakness, uh, one of the weaknesses of many of the Seattle defense, it is number one against the run and number two over the middle of the field, uh, which is where Kittle lives. And uh, look, if you look at the 49ers, they're, they're rush, they're rush offense. Let's just look at it from yards per play. They're averaging 4.6 yards per carry. That's ninth in the NFL. It's pretty good top 10, but without Kittle, two games without Kittle. Uh, one of them was against the Seahawks, uh, but in those two games, uh, one of them was against the Cardinals, not necessarily the best run defenses in the NFL without Kittle, those two games, 46 carries for 121 yards. That's 2.6 yards per carry with Kittle 428 for 2056, 4.8. That'd be top five in the NFL. Uh, and Seattle's allowing 4.8 yards per carry. That's 28th in the NFL. And no matter what advanced metric you look at, they're not great against the run. They also don't get a lot of pressure. But with Kittle, not only is he a great run blocker, he also demands the attention of your linebackers and your safeties, and you can't use as you can't dedicate as much attention to the run. So the 49ers should have a lot more success running the ball. And I don't know how good the Seahawks run defense is going to be. And that is the weakness of the 49ers defense it's not a glaring weakness but they're so solid against the pass because they get so much pressure and their secondary is solid and now healthy and they can just sit back they don't blitz they don't blitz and they they're one of the lowest blitzing teams in the nfl and they're the highest pressure rate teams in the nfl really helps the secondary out that's pretty talented as well uh so i think the 49ers are the better team they'll be able to run the ball i think a lot more successfully than the seahawks and then the 49ers did in the first meeting i think that will ultimately be the difference the wild card is Russell Wilson magic. Uh, but I think the 49ers find a way. Yeah, and speaking of Kittle, as we've done the past few weeks, we are running a new Fade Revel promotion with our friends at Points Bet Sportsbook. This week, our colleague Darren Revel is taking George Kittle over 70 and a half receiving yards. And Points Bet is boosting the under 70 and a half 
to plus 100 from minus 115. Personally, I think Darren is on the right side. The Seahawks, according to our friends at Football Outsiders, giving up 67.8 schedule adjusted yards per game, two tight ends. That is the third most in the league. And we know George Kittle is one of the best tight ends in the league. But it's always fun to fade our guy, Darren Ravel. Maybe make him get he a little back waxing. Every week to just lose by like a half a point in like crazy fashion. It's, it's pretty wild. <laughs> so, you know, if you're interested in fading Ravel, just follow the link in the episode description for more details. Let's get into the last game. And the 49ers Seahawks is Sunday night football, but I uh, just saved the Arizona Rams game for last because we don't actually have a line on it. Uh, Cardinals, of course, 5-9-1 and one. coming into this one against the 8-7 and seven Rams, eliminated from playoff contention, but we don't know if Kyron Murray is going to go. Any thoughts on what you'd make the line stuck if Murray's in or Murray's out or, or anything that could potentially help people with, uh, that want to bet this one later in the week? Yeah, I don't, I don't want to short some people, but I will just say Pats minus 15.5 against the Dolphins also. I don't think we covered that one. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, they're, they, look, the Pats are playing to secure a two-seed uh, and a buy, which is so important for them. They need a buy. They need to work out some kinks. They have their own problems. They don't want to be trying to play three games to get to the Super Bowl. I think they come out and drill the Dolphins. It's an awful matchup for the Dolphins. Dolphins can't run the ball. Fitzpatrick, that offense has been passing it well. Well, you can't pass it against the Patriots. Um, and the Dolphins are the worst defense in the NFL. I think the Pats are come out of here focused and drill them. I mean, the first game was 43 nothing in Miami. I don't know if it'll get that bad, but I'm thinking about laying the 15 and a half. Uh, in regards to the Arizona LA game, I mean, I don't. There's there's so many things to consider here with Murray. I think Ramsey's also sitting for the Rams uh, with an injury, um, so I don't know. I mean, I would probably make it around seven, um, which is where I think it will probably. I mean, without Murray, maybe ten ish. Um, I think it's going to be between seven and ten. Brett Huntley came in last week, which didn't help my over bet uh, in that game. I mean, they, were, they had a lead, and they were playing the win. He was 4 of 9 for 49 yards. Um, I imagine that they're going to try and – you know, they, they, they could not be able to run the ball much against the Rams, but if Ramsey's out – I mean, Huntley, I don't trust him to throw the ball. Um, and, you know, if Hill and Ramsey are out, that's where you would be able to attack this Rams defense. And I don't know if Huntley can. Murray could. So I think that the difference between the two – in this game might be more substantial than some other games, um, but probably a clear stay away from me, if, unless the line is uh, wildly off from where I have it. But I got to take more into Hudley and, and who's, who's in and who's out for the Rams defense because that will ultimately, I think, make the difference. Yeah, it's, a, it's not a game that I think most people are too excited about anyway. So uh, <laughs> let's, uh, let's wrap it up with our Survivor Pick of the Week. One pick. One chance to advance. Survivor. Somehow managed to survive for 16 weeks. I don't know how. Uh, took the Broncos last week. Stumbled a little bit early on in that game, but ended up beating the Lions. This week, I would go, and we don't know the line in this game, but that, that doesn't matter for Survivor. Congrats if you're still alive uh, in your Survivor pool. Uh, go with the Rams here. You know, Kyler Murray banged up. Who knows what's going to happen. Uh, love this matchup for, for the Rams, the, 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 the Cardinals really don't get that much pressure. Uh, this is a home game for Goff, a lot more comfortable there. Uh, Tyler Higby's playing at an elite level right now at tight end, and, of course, the Cardinals are the – That's bad news against the, for the Cardinals yeah, defense. Best matchup you can possibly have if you're an opposing offense uh, for tight end. So 
this is a spot where the Rams came out, and I think they won 34-7 on the road. I don't think that's a coincidence. I think this is just a good matchup for the Rams. Uh, lost season for them, unfortunately, not making it back to the playoffs to defend that Super Bowl tie, uh, you know, NFC title. But uh, I think they comfortably handle business, uh, even if Kyler does end up playing. So that, that's who I'd go. Let's see if we can go 17-0 here. Uh, Stuck, any other picks? If you, if you, didn't have, if you can't have, uh, choose the Rams here, uh, who are you going with? Well, I mean, you got to figure that most people have used most of the, you know, good teams. And the problem with Week 17 is you also have some good teams that uh, – some decent teams that are not trying. So, you know, a team that you definitely or probably haven't used yet, there's – you might have used them once because they only have one win. Um, but if you're still alive here, you probably haven't used the Bengals. And if you're out of other teams, uh, look at the Bengals. Uh, the, I don't think the Browns show up. I mean, go out in style if you're going to go out. If you, you made it this far. But uh, that wraps it up for another edition of the Action Network podcast. Week 17 – NFL betting edition. Be sure to follow Stucky on Twitter at Stucky2 and me at Chris Raybon. You can also follow us uh, by the same handles on the Action Network app. Uh, you can see all our bets. You can track your own. Uh, so go download the app if you don't already have it for live odds, in-game win probabilities, and again, the ability to track every bet that you make. It's been a good year. We'll it's been catch a good you year, 2020. Stuck. For playoff talk. We'll be back in 2020. We'll be back next week. We'll be talking the playoffs. We'll be talking all the trends. We'll keep our little contest going. Uh, happy holidays. We appreciate you for, uh, if you are a longtime listener, for sticking with us all season. If you're a new listener, uh, keep listening. Again, we'll be back for the playoffs to break down these matchups a lot more in-depth because we'll have more time to spend on each one. Good luck. Happy holidays. Let's get this money. Happy New Year. Go Pack Go. Go Ravens. Merry Christmas, baby. Should it treat me nice? You bought me a diamond ring for Christmas. I feel like I'm in paradise. I feel mighty fine, y'all. I got music. We're finished talking.